The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If I told you what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Curling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Harland. Well, today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball and threw it up in the air and then hit it. But, but of heart, late. I'd like to thank you to the people of Wexford who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. I just want to take a second to thank you all for taking the time to give us a listen. And for those of you who have subscribed to us or given us a rating on your podcast app, we really do appreciate it. And you know, keep them coming. I'm not sure if there's been a player who has overcome so much heartache and injury to deserve a bit of success. Limo McGovern has been on teams that have been beaten in four Leinster Hurling finals in four years between minor and under 21 and throw in the senior Leinster Hurling final in 2017, and that's before getting into his two hip operations and two cruciate ligament injuries. But in 2019, he finally got to experience the euphoria of getting over the line as Wexford beat Kilkenny in the Leinster Senior Hurling final, and if anyone deserved it, it was him. Ben, you've had to get through your own cruciate injury. For those of us who haven't can you fathom what it takes to do it twice and still compete at the very top level? Uh, it's tough enough to do it once. And I don't know, it'd be heartbreaking doing it once, doing all the rehab and coming back and doing it again. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Well, we do talk to Mogi about that. But before we get into it, I also want to give a shout out to the Model Army 96 Charity Challenge that is currently in full swing it is walking, running, or cycling 3.1 kilometers a day for the month of May to reach the magical 96 number in conjunction with Cottage Autism Network and Wexford Hospice Home Care, as well as the building of the Century Garden in the Fern Centre of Excellence. Make sure to get involved. Now, let's get into it with Mogi. We'll go straight for the, straight for the good stuff here. We were wondering, because it hasn't been clarified, but we were wondering... Did you, at the end of this year, was it you who chased Brendan Bugler out of the setup? <laughs> Brendan Bugler. Um, <laughs> I can deny that, no. Um, those rumours are, are false. So, actually, I, 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 I built up quite a good relationship with Brendan. I know he was only here for a short time, but um, definitely he was a valued asset to the setup. It's, I suppose it's always good getting a, a player who's just recently retired because their their thoughts and their skills are very much tuned to the current game. So it was great getting Brendan involved. Obviously, we had a, a little bit of a checkered history from 2014, um, which was quickly uh, brought up um, on our first engagement. But uh, yeah, no, 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 no problem with Brendan. And he's, he's a top bloke and I, I wish him all the best with whatever role he gets involved. But I think he got a, he's got a new 
job with a club team in in Ockley or something. I'm not sure. Actually, he the first engagement when he came in, I heard he was coming into the setup, and like actually, Joe O'Connor sent me a podcast about it six months before that, and they were he was doing a commentary on a game, and there was sending off, and Brendan had said that an incident that happened to me similar to that a couple of years ago, and. Uh, I, I still never forgot the incident. And I was like, geez, Joe, don't send me this. For God's sake. <laughs> and uh, when he came into the setup, I was like, you know what? I'll nip this straight in the bud now. And uh, I'll go straight up to him. So we had our first meeting in Monclody, I think, there last year. And uh, the minute I walked in, Brendan Douglas standing in front of me, right? So here we go. How are you, Brendan? Small talk, what you're doing? He's like, no, great to have you on board, blah, blah, blah. And then Chinner, Lee Chin walked behind me and Straight away, he said, ah, look at the two boys. Back at it, he says. <laughs> and then, of course, we had to go straight into it then. But... Yeah, well, I mean, looking back at it, I, I don't think he could have any arguments, really, at the time. Yeah. Um, it was, it probably looked worse than it was. Um, did he really hurt me? Probably not. Um, I thought it was... He went to uh, whether he went to do me or not. Um, I, I don't think he got full force. And look, in the, in the maturity of time, I, I think I, I probably would have handled it a bit better now. Um, but looking at the heat of the game, um, uh, it happened. And um, yeah, and I, 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 I was I wasn't even referring to like the force of it, but he did it straight straight in front of the referee. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But I look at I. You know, I think that was clear. So I'm not sure if they were knocked out after that, but you don't like to see a guy going off that early either. Um, but look, at, it is what it is, and we move on. It wasn't said to you or anything. Listen, listen, Mogi, this guy's coming in. You're not to, you're not to start on him straight away. No, definitely not. Uh, I heard he was coming in, and as I said earlier. Great having a current player involved. Uh, wing back that I would have marked and um, once or twice before. So no, no, I was delighted to get him involved, and I, I definitely picked up one or two things from him. I'm I'm sure you're going to hear a bit more about him because he's very tuned in. Um, he's a teacher, I think, down down player, and uh, he, he knows the score, and uh, I can see him going far, whatever whatever he chooses to do. And would you have? Because I was reading there. The other day, that uh, in was it 2017, you would have done something similar. You you did a, a bit of forwards coaching with the uh, with the team in 2017 when you were injured. Yeah, when I got injured, sure. When you get injured, I was out for the year and effectively redundant. You know, you go train, you stay, you stay involved, or what's the story? And David, you know, thankfully he, he rang me and he said, "Well, I'd be interested in helping out a little bit." And, I thought it was a no-brainer because if I ever want to do management down the line or coaching, I'm not 18 or 19 anymore, you know, um, and if I want to get into that, why not learn from one of the best in the game? So I thought it was a bit of a no-brainer. Um, my, my role might have been exaggerated a little bit in the media, but um, it, it was a good experience um, from going from sitting beside lads in the dressing room to shouting at them in a drill, you know, takes a little bit of adjustment. But uh, I enjoyed it, and I, I, I felt I certainly got something from it. Uh, what was the reaction to your like former and teammates to be when you were shouting at them doing drills? Like I, I assume there'd be 
lads shouting encouragement anyway. Was it any different to that? No, absolutely. Lads were top class, took everything on board, and it was more probably an insecurity on my behalf that they were judging me a little bit. But you quickly get over that. And Davey, you know, for any little bit, I felt sorry for myself, or I was a little bit sheepish. He he quickly um, made it clear to me there's no room for that. So I <laughs> fully went all in, or I didn't get involved. So after a session or two, I, it became normal. And do you think it's something that you will pursue? When your when your hurling days are finished, your playing days are finished. Yeah, I I, I think I, I would like to get involved in some capacity. It's it's a big job, and I would worry that I would spend too much time. It's like I, I look at these coach and management jobs. Do do it properly. Where it's gone at the minute, it's it's a hell of a commit, a lot of commitment, and you really need to have the capacity to be able to do it properly. Anyway, so that's something I think you'd have to bear in mind. I know a lot of club managers and we, we try to rope managers in and say, look, at it'd be grand, we'll, we'll sort this out. But you know yourself when you get involved, it's, it's full on. Are you involved with Wexford County teams since Tony Forrestal? No, I actually didn't do Tony Forrestal. Um, I was involved from under 15. I, I was a confused little teenager, I think. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I for some reason... I didn't really want to get involved with the developing squads. I, I was playing soccer and rugby and tennis and golf. And I, to this day, I don't know why I was reluctant to get involved, but Paul Dempsey was over the development squads in 15 and he phoned home. Back then, you, you phoned the home, the home line. And uh, I remember speaking to him for an hour one day. And uh, yeah, but I'd be a lot to, to be grateful from Paul. He got me involved and I, I was involved in development squads all the way up then. From there, and were you asked in in under fourteen, and you just said you'd rather not go, or or was it a case that? Yeah, I would have been asked. I I I, I have a bad memory, but I, I can't remember the reasons why I didn't want to commit. Clearly, I had commitment issues at the time, um, but yeah, I, I just I, I I just didn't want to commit to it. Um, um. Development squads, they're, they still done quite a bit of work back then, you know, it was maybe a couple of days a week or whatever, and um, just with other sport and stuff going on, I, I just didn't want to do it. And um, looking back, I often think about it, if I hadn't gotten involved in under 15, would it have changed um, how things would have panned out? I, I don't know is the answer, but um, I'm glad that I did because you know, I met some great friends from the, from the underage development squads, and I suppose competing... At a, at a better level, underage, it quickly gets rid of any notions you might have about yourself at underage when you when you play a better standards, playing other counties. So, um, I suppose from that point of view, it was definitely a positive. Your your brother Keen would have been, uh, he would have been on the county teams from Tony Forrestal up until minor. Um, would you have looked at his, the way things went, were going for him and based your decision on that at all? No, Keane would have been a massive influence and I, I probably would have looked up to him a lot um, in terms of he would have been involved in the county teams and even at St. Peter's College, a really good team. I think they won the junior the juvenile championship. Um, and yeah, I, I would have tried to emulate him in terms of getting onto the county team. He he actually tore his cruciate when he was about 17 or 18 and was very much jeopardised by injury. So that probably put a stop to his career at, at, a, at an allot level. But um, no, Keane would have had a positive influence and I, I definitely would have tried to replicate him and what he was doing for his underage career. 
he was a he was a savage Harlander age. He would be my age now. He actually tore his cruciate again, was it, in the Leinster final? I think. He was 17 and he was playing an adult game for St. Anne's against Elder de Balak. It must have been a tournament in Pearson. And I remember him coming home in the door that day and he didn't know what cruciate was, but he looked to be in serious discomfort and tore it. And he got back for the minor championship. Um, I think he's played Dublin in the Leinster final the following year. And I remember going to that game and it was his first or second game back and a little he injured it again and the buggy came out onto the onto the pitch and as a family member watching the game, I remember my stomach being so sick, like watching it as as a as a spectator and as a family member. When you're playing it's often a lot easier, but give me uh, an insight what it's like watching it as as a family member and um, some of those games can be tougher than actually playing. Yeah, I can imagine that was uh... Especially with the buggy coming on, did you know what was wrong? I just suspect what was wrong. Um, I'm sure it was a knee. It was a knee. It was he was only back, so going into the game, we were a little bit obviously skeptical with yeah. his knee. And sure, I actually don't know if he and he was wrong with him after. I think he got afraid. <laughs> I think he got afraid. <laughs> Maybe it was the pace of the game, but um, I think he might have tore a little bit of cartilage or something. I'm not sure he tore it again, but. That was the end of it, 15 minutes in. That was his inter-county career done and dusted. You would have been minor for two years, was it? Yeah, minor for two years. Under Liam Dunn. So you would be one of the seven lads who were minors with Liam Dunn who ended up winning the 2019 Leicester final. Yeah, I would have came late into that minor team. I think Liam would have brought me in in 2000 and probably... Nine, eight, yeah, 2008 and um, yeah we got to a Leicester final got beaten by Kilkenny and we got to a Leicester final the following year as well got beaten by Kilkenny and uh, I think yeah, I lost 221s as well so we lost a good few Leicester finals underage I was looking there four you as far as I can see you lost four Leinster finals in a row it's not, not ideal yeah but you know what when when we won one thousand nineteen, I think they all I know it's a bit of a cliche, you know, that you have to lose one to win one, but by God it does make it sweet when you when you lose a few. Even albeit underage, uh, just just uh, makes it sweet when you get over the line and, and all those heartache it builds up and accumulates in a, in a win. It's unreal. Would you have started to doubt it, like especially those four years in a row losing four Lancer finals, do you start to to doubt well, like maybe after the first one you big you'd be thinking, yeah, we'll be back again. Then after the second one, then the third, do you start doubting it? Do you start thinking, will it ever happen? Yeah, I, I was in the football as well in 2011. We lost a, a Leinster football final against Dublin. So that was five. And then in, in Galway in 2017, lost another one. So that's six. Um, so yeah, you do. You do start to think, will I ever get it? How can Kenny can win so many? Why can't I just get one? And you do start to question, you know, will they ever get over the line? But um, ah, look, at, you get in such a mindset when you get to a final, let's find a county final, you get in such a mindset that you're going, you're going to perform. You don't want to allow those thoughts to get in, but sometimes they do creep in. Were you playing in the the famous game, the famous minor game in OAS? I think the All-Ireland quarterfinal against Galway? I was, I was, yeah. I was, yeah, it was probably, 
you probably know more about it than I do. I, 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 I was waiting forward that there was one of my better games, but I actually remember I wear contact lenses. I have very poor eyesight. From about 15 or 16, my eyes started to deteriorate badly, and I had to wear contact lenses playing. And I remember during that game, I got hit in the eye, and my contact lens actually fell out of my eye. And that meant there was one contact lens in, and the other one was obviously gone. And I'm that blind, I actually can't play with one contact lens. So I ran back in, and usually I had the contact lenses in my gear bag. But we actually got changed up in Turles, the, the club pitch that day, and I left my contact lenses up in the clubhouse. This is 25 minutes into the game, and here was me in this dressing room with one contact lens in my eye, and the other one couldn't find it. And here wasn't it sitting on my cheek. And um, I don't know if, you, if your contact lens, they dry up very quickly. So my whole quarter final was dependent on me getting this contact lens back into my eye in about 20 seconds before it dried up. And the pressure and the sweat and the adrenaline was just unbearable almost. Um, eventually, I forced it into my eye, got back onto the field, and I think we were pointed to up. And then we all know what kind of happened in the last 10 minutes. Do you know what specifically went wrong, I suppose, or is it just one of those things? Uh, to be honest, it's not something I reflected too much on. Um, you, you, you'd be in a better mindset to tell me. Uh, I think one or two Galway guys got sent off, was it? And we we ended up leaving a few players at the back rather than pushing them up. Um, was that the issue? I don't know the specific tactics. I just know that Galway had two less men and Wexford were, I think, one or two points up and somehow managed to lose. But I don't know how. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't all, it doesn't always translate like that. You know yourself when you're down 13, 12, or 14, 13 minutes, particularly, specifically with five or six minutes to go at minors, they could do anything. And maybe we should have pushed up, probably should have in hindsight. But um, as players, we probably didn't have the calmness or, or coolness to, to, to use the extra man. And suddenly, Galway seemed to gather momentum, you know, 13 players and you just couldn't stop it. And it was like a car crash happened in front of your eyes and you couldn't stop it. Um, but yeah, look at, we don't really ask the biggest intangible thing in, in, in Ireland is momentum. I'd love for there to be a study done on it because over the years, how games have changed and what, what things have changed momentum and the influence it has, it's, it's it's unbelievable the effect it has on games, and we, I've seen the last couple of years how teams have tried to manipulate and deliberately swing momentum, but definitely the force it has in games and the influence is, is very powerful. How would they be doing that now? We couldn't be getting into that now, Gary. But uh, trying try to force it, I, I'm interested in this too. <laughs> well, I mean. I like you first ask how, how momentum starts. Like it can start with a big hit, a big tackle, a big score, you know. And um, referees, I think, have become under more pressure from players and management. You know, a decision here or there can suddenly swing things. So, I mean, obviously, momentum is going for you. You try to speed everything up and you try to maximize. When it's going for you, you try to maximize the, the output you can get from it. And when it's vice versa, when you're against it, you need to come up with ways to break momentum. And inevitably, so inevitably, 
Yeah, inevitably there will be parts of the game where you go to and fro, and it's about maximizing as much you can when it when it's with you, and when it's not minimizing the damage it does. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Teams teams I've been part of do that too. I mean, well, no, in theory you're told to do it, but it's about you know. It, at the actual moment in the game, remembering to slow it down or remembering to maximise it is, is is where the problem comes. Well, I suppose that's the, that's where experience comes in, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, being around the block and got stung once or twice and realising, you know what, this isn't happening again to me. I don't care how I come across or how I look. At the end of the day, if I can stop this momentum, that's all that matters. It's a particularly big talking point now with uh, water breaks, I suppose. Mm. Where everyone's, I don't know, half the people are giving out about it. Been only in a year, but I've seen in the club games. I mean, teams can be dominating, and suddenly it just flips on its head. And the only, the only variable there is the water break coming in. Now, don't get yeah, it, was, it was very obvious in the in the Wexford Senior Championship this year. I think mm. there was a couple of the couple of the games where like, it's it's not two halves anymore. It's four quarters. It's and it's about maximizing the momentum you have when you do have it. If you dominate, like one team could dominate the first quarter, mm. but that could be it for the rest of the game. And by the time the fourth quarter comes around, they're already gone out of the game. Yeah, I, I think I think it's in again this year, isn't it? And if it is, I can see it being of more focus in teams how they, if what you have a minute tends to go two minutes, see a few stragglers dipping the water bottle coming down. The referees usually barking at it, but I can see teams maximizing that a little bit more in terms of analyzing what happened or, or setting up stuff to learn from the first quarter, second quarter, or whatever. Yeah, you're not specifically on your on teams. You're on this. The, there's a lot more, a lot of tactical information coming in at that time. There is, but it's getting the balance, isn't it? Like, I mean, if you have a minute or two. That's the real stroke of management and communication is how much can players take if you overload and try to put too much on them, nothing gets through. So it's it's having one or two voices, not everyone talking, and it's getting one or two messages. That's all really you're going to get across. Any more, the message is diluted, I think. It's an interesting one, but I, I'd imagine it'll be gone after after this year. I would hope so. I also hope they don't make a a stupid rule that you're not allowed relay tactical information because it's just a just be a rule that you can't actually you can't actually enforce it like well I, I think everyone was doing I mean famous picture of the Limerick lads with the tactic board remember that uh, yeah every, they, every game they weren't doing a good way of getting away with it <laughs> no no but uh, look at whether it's verbally or it's shown I I I'm sure every management are relaying some tactical information. I mean, be a missed opportunity otherwise. I don't see any reason why, why they want to stop tactics being relayed anyway. Mm. Same yeah. with the, the man behind the goal and there was talk, should they be stopping that? I don't, I don't see the reason. Just let tactics be used. It's a tactical game. <laughs> you came into the panel in 2012 in midway through the season, was it? Yeah, I was in Canada for the year. I went in 2011. I think I'd done my third year studies in Canada and uh, I was finished up in May or June. I came back and I came on. Liam invited me into the panel and I came on first game, I think, about three minutes ago against Carroll or Westmead. And um, that was my first taste of the action, yeah. 
How did you get on? It was grand. Like we were we were eight or nine points up, and uh, I came on midfield. I ran around. It was grand. It was it was it was relatively easy introduction. Um, following day, I think we played Cork in the in the in the final sixteen or second round qualifiers in in Park in uh, Temple Stadium. That was that was up a notch. I, I got about 10, 15 minutes. Came on corner forward, and um, that was a great experience. That was that was intercounty Temple Stadium, Cork fans, atmosphere, intensity. That was that was um, that was enjoyable. Yeah. And then the next year, you didn't appear to get any game time. Were were you still working hard away, or what was the story? I played a bit of rugby over in, in Canada and I got absolutely nailed in a tackle. I went to play this, I just tried to keep fit. I played um, under second team in the college, right? And uh, played a game one day and a lad nailed me and I, I had problems, I developed problems with my hip off the back of it. And I had it before, but it, it seemed to get increasingly worse and worse. And uh, I, I met a few people in, in the Canada winter in 2012 and I had to get surgery on my hips in 2013. Um, so in January and February, I got two hip operations um, whereby I just got the ball and socket had to be smoothed out. There was, there was a, a bit of impingement there on the hips. So that, um, I thought it would be a three-month thing, but it didn't really. It took a bit longer, so I missed out on all the action in 2013. Jeez. Two hip operations... Two knee operations. Is there any more we we don't know about? Um, no, that's that's the last extent. That's the last, yeah. Um, that hip operation was the thing at the time, and um, I don't know if you remember. Everyone seemed to be getting them. Um, not yeah. as, not as popular now, and a lot of people. It hasn't been in mixed results. Um, thankfully, it's it's been a it's been a relatively successful procedure for me and uh, I was able to get back in 2014 Yeah, you very much announced yourself in uh, 2014 especially in the, the Clare game in Ennis where you got 1-4 Yeah, my, I suppose 2014 was my first proper really year at it and uh, Liam, Liam Dunn gave me, uh, he played me from the start of the league and I got a full round of league action and there's not, it's hard it's hard to replicate replicate you know getting those games underneath the belt in the league they're, they're great and they really stand to you going into the championship and um, the Clare game was was probably the highlight that year yeah it's great when you're a newbie coming into the team nobody knows anything about you so when you're marking lads they don't know what side you like to hit off what you like to do with it and definitely you can use that to your advantage and that's probably that helped I think in, in one or two of those games and that 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 first drawn game in Ennis I was looking at it recently. There were man up. Podge Collins had been sent off, and we have four points up as well with two minutes left, and it ended as a draw. Yeah, God, how we were in such a strong position to win that, and we just—I don't I know—you were, we... were ten points up after fifteen minutes after your goal, and then they got them. Podge Collins was sent off near the end of the first half, maybe. And then even still leading by four points or two minutes left and got a penalty. <laughs> Again, back to our early point about momentum. Like we came out of traps so quick that day. I remember literally everything was going over. Andrew Shore was firing missiles from wing back. They were just going straight over the bar. David Edmund, Hodge Dorn. Like 
we were on fire. We came out of blocks 100 miles an hour and we got into a lead descending off and it was the perfect storm. And Clare were the Holland champions the year before and they were, you know, there was a lot expected from them. And slowly it started to turn. I don't know if we got, I missed one or two easy ones and um, maybe a little bit of complacency. Maybe we started getting a little bit, a bit, a bit tired, but definitely... Tony Kelly got one or two massive scores and I could hear the crowd just started erupting in, in Ennis and the momentum started to swing and we just couldn't stop it. It was just, it was closing in on us and again, we had a, a, a good advantage and we, we didn't close it out. Davy Red had alluded to us before that um, he reckoned you were almost afraid to be Claire, just a mindset thing. Would you feel that way yourself? Possibly. I, I think... When you when you try to beat one of the big teams, you almost there's a, there's a mental block in your head until you actually go do it, and you'll try your best to trip yourself up more times unknowingly, and you almost have to be a six or seven point better team to overcome it the first time because you, if it's any closer, you'll nearly trip yourself up, and until you go and do it and realize it's possible, then it becomes a lot more easier. But the first time you do it. It, it can be difficult and I found that yeah with Claire and more so with Kilkenny down the years like just that mental block existed and uh, you, you, you lost games that possibly you could have won because of that mental block yeah because even in the the replay then in Wexford Park we were two men up there was that Brendan Bugler incident in the first half that we we talked about and then Jack Brown was also red carded for dragging you down. Did he get his first yellow card for fouling you as well? He, I think yeah. he was having a, a lot of trouble with you that day. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was in the first half or second half, but he got his march in order as well. Yeah, and I don't know how we didn't win that normal time again. And that went to extra time. And I did start to think, oh my God, have we blown it? Because they were back to 15 men for extra time. And, I remember, uh, I remember th- thinking the same myself in the stand the week before being a man up and letting the big lead go and then two men up and they were back to 15 on 15 with extra time. Yeah. But the subs that came in that day did help. I think Jack came in and Harry and one or two others and um, made a big difference. I think the petrol light was starting to flicker now which in extra time there was... But it was a cracker of a game looking back actually. It was. It was. It was. Some of those extra park games in the summer are epic like and that was... Although it was just a qualifier, it was, it was uh, I think even for supporters, it was, it was, uh, was a special it was, game. It was magical. Like The crowd erupted after they, they, they flogged onto the field. The, the dancing at the crossroads was blaring. It was, you don't see that for qualifiers anywhere else. Like <laughs> No, I think it was on, uh, that game was live on TV as well. And just to see the pitch evasion afterwards, like for, for the qualifiers, it was... Uh, yeah, it was great. Great, great. Um, certainly when you look back, it was one of the, the better games to be involved in for Wexford, for sure. It was our first significant victory, I'd say, since since 2007, maybe. Mm. So it was not only beating the All-Ireland Champions, but a proper win. Like, Yeah. I remember, was it 2013? Like, when we got knocked out of the Championship... It was always a big lull when you get knocked out of a championship. I mean, you're training with lads for seven or eight months, four or five days a week, and it's over, and you just go your separate ways. And a bit of a lull there for two or three weeks until you get back to the club. And I remember we got knocked out, I don't know, 12 or 13, I think it was 13, and uh, Liam Dunn 
sent around a text about three or four days after getting knocked out that he wanted to do fitness test for next year. And I remember reading this. My God, I couldn't think of anything worse. You know, I'm in the lull. We've been knocked out of the championship and we have to go do fitness tests for next year. But that's where he was thinking. You know, he was very much building something for down the line and getting the data and the scores with the help of Jerry Fitzpatrick to help build the players and get them to a level of conditioning that to make them competitive. And looking back, that was a lot of the unseen work that probably didn't get noticed. Like we were probably a bit behind in terms of our conditioning levels and we needed to probably work that little bit harder to get us to that level. And uh, I think that definitely helped us, you know, in 2014. And we'll, um, we won't dwell too much on the, because that year went well, a good victory against Waterford then as well, and then a poor loss to Limerick, we'll say. We won't talk about it too much, but you did mark Seamus Hickey that day, I think, and I remember he was particularly, I thought he was, at the time, sure, one of the best cornerbacks in the country. How was it? How did you find marking him? Never liked marking Seamus. And I can say it now because he's retired. I don't. I never <laughs> like giving lads too much of a psychological advantage when they're when they're playing. But yeah, he was just one corner back that I I marked him three or four times, and he was just he was loud. He he let off this air of confidence. I don't know if it was artificial or real, but he was pacey. He was strong, um, and I just had something against him. Not personally, just in terms of getting the better of him. And um, that day in 2014, I was, I, I, I was, it was a feeble attempt, really. And <laughs> I was embarrassed, it's embarrassing looking back at it. He totally dominated me. And just the level of strength and conditioning, he was at a different level to what I was at. And uh, we were fourth or fifth day on the trot in terms of week in, week out. I, the longer that game went on, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. And um, it was a good learning, a good learning lesson, nonetheless. But um, yeah, Seamus is. Top class defender, Mark Mayhem's over the year and uh, good good guy as well. What do, what do you do now? Like you've said you said you it was a great learning experience and stuff. What do you do now that if you have a player that maybe has a psychological advantage over you, how do you how do you get on top of it? So you have to you have to look at ways that he isn't comfortable. I mean we've all good attributes and we've all weak attributes. And it's up to you to know where he is uncomfortable and you you got to bring him to places that he is uncomfortable. And uh, when you do get on top, you got to let him know that you're on top. And that can be talk. He was good at talking to me and uh, he probably verbally, you know, bullied is a bit of a strong word, but you know what I'm trying to say? He, his experience yeah. played on me. I was a young guy at the time and um, he won the first one or two balls and he let me know it and he grew into it and I probably done the opposite. So um, that's all part of the experience, I suppose. You know, it's adjusting things, maybe coming out further in the field to get on a ball, just something small to get yourself in the game, build the confidence. Um, as a corner forward, like your confidence is up versus when your confidence is down. I mean, you look at the game completely different. It's, it's, it's scary, really, particularly for a younger person. As you get a little bit older, maybe you become a little bit more assured of yourself. But Earlier on in your career, it can be quite fickle. Yeah, it's the difference of wanting absolutely every ball to come down your way and maybe thinking, oh, geez, no, keeper, puck at the other side, puck at the other side. Yeah, yeah. It's like, give, give me the ball. I'm, I'm actually going to 
I'm going to destroy you here. I'm going to stick it in net. I, you know, versus going out to a ball thinking, I'm going to run straight over this. It's not going to come into my hand. And you're holding the hurl tight and he's up your backside. And uh, it's just, it's, I've often, I've often fought with it um, getting that confidence up, particularly for an inside forward where every touch matters. And uh, it's probably something that's spoken a lot about. Is, is there any Michael Jordan type uh, motivation? Where you're you're telling yourself that this lad thinks he's better than me, I'm gonna show him. And you you make up you make up reasons why. <laughs> no, I never I never really got into any of that. No, uh, some lads would look. Everyone's wired up differently. Yeah, it's amazing. Like even up in panel, like some lads, the littlest things that get them going. Other lads, you you need to send a rod up. <laughs> you know what to get them <laughs> going. So it just takes a man. That's what a good manager knows. He knows knows what gets people going and what um what stops them so um no I, I never never got into any of that but maybe work for some lads so you won't if you if it was in the dressing room with you we wouldn't hear you in the shower five minutes before the game trying to pump yourself up uh no i i never had a problem getting up for games i in fact i i needed to do the opposite i i felt Two or three leading, two or three days leading up to a game, I'd be quite anxious. I'd be, I'd be nervous, um, and I was always envious of guys that that um, were a lot more relaxed about games. Um, I wouldn't be a nice person to be around now of the day of a game or the day of the port. I'd be thinking over things and I'd just get myself ready. And I'd often find I'd have to switch off deliberately in terms of the team talks. Just say we're meeting two or three hours before a game and they're, they're pumping lads up and for other lads who are horizontal and switched off, that talk would be needed for them. It wouldn't be needed for me because I'd be over over the top at that stage. So it's it's learning to know yourself and what to listen to and what not, what to listen, not what to listen to. And is it vis- vis- visualisation stuff that you'd be doing or is it just just overthinking what's going to happen or uh, I, I just be yeah be getting myself ready like I, I find those some of those inter-county games or even club championship games you're you're pushing your body to the limit getting yourself ready to go to war and I can't for me anyway I just kind of rock up to a game casual and just the whistle goes and I'm I'm ready to go at where I want to be that takes a couple of days in my head visualising yeah get myself ready just the work ethic and, and what's going to be required. And, you know, for me, that helps. And if I didn't do that, I don't feel prepared. I, I, I'd often find I'd arrive there and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel I ticked all the boxes. Physically, I may have in terms of training, but mentally, I, I don't feel fully switched on. There was an article by Malachi Clarkin a couple of years ago, and he wrote this. Uh, Liam Dunn had described you as a, a desperate overthinker. Would, would you think that's accurate or... Uh, the desperate bit is a bit harsh, but the overthinking. <laughs> I did find that. Now, but... <laughs> was that Liam or Malachi that said that? Well, Malachi said that Liam's Malachi wrote that Liam said it. Yeah, no, he, he probably did. Um, I would, I would, I would be an overthinker. Yeah, it's, it's probably been uh, a thing I've been working on the last couple of years, which sounds a little bit ironic. You're working on not overthinking, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, definitely earlier on I would have overthought things instead of just going out and playing. It's a fine it's a fine line. Fine line. As I said, I would have always been envious of some lads. You're, you're going on the bus to Crow Park or Central Stadium and you're looking down across the bus. 
there's lads chatting and laughing away and I'm, oh I'd love to be you love to be you right now but uh, this wasn't me I don't think it affected my performances to be honest but it didn't make it enjoyable to build up for that's for sure yeah I suppose if it works for you it's okay I mean some people that are might be chatting around chatting away and being very relaxed maybe they shouldn't be so relaxed whereas other people it's better for them to be relaxed again as you said earlier it it, it depends on the person people exactly each yeah. each person will react differently to different situations yeah yeah now coming after 2014 having a breakthrough year almost for you for the team and then 2015 was a write-off year for everybody 24-point loss to Kilkenny, a convincing loss to Cork, the big media hullabaloo with Jack Guiney. Like what, why do you think things went so bad, so wrong in 2015? It's, it's difficult to put your finger on it, Ben. Um, I will get to positive questions soon enough. Yeah, it was a write-off, it was. There's no point looking at it differently, collectively and individually. Like personally, for me, it was an absolute write-off. I reckon... You know, I thought I got on reasonably well in 2014. I, I, you know, I get, get, get stuck into the gym here now. You know, I could even be a better player. And I was excited to see what 2015 could do, but it just never took off. We, we made a savage Kilkenny team. I mean, looking back, they were at probably the peak of their powers. Um, I don't know if they won the All-Ireland that year, but they had a lot of their stalwart, a lot of experience. And they were at a different level and they absolutely pulverized us. For me that year, I struggled with energy. I I, I don't know what was wrong. I, I, I don't know if I tried to put on too much muscle that year and I, I personally couldn't get going. It was it was a very frustrating year. Um, I, a lot of sub performances, subpar performances. And I think as a group as well, we just we struggled to get going. One or two hidings, confidence got taken out of the team. It can happen very, very quickly. And... Um, you see that with teams and, and different years, you know, one or two losses, confidence gets sucked out of teams. And when you're playing oppositions like Kilkenny, at the peak of their powers, um, they can belittle you very quickly. 2016, not to say too much on it, in, in my, it's, it's my worst memory of being a Wexford supporter is uh, that game in Crow Park against Dublin in 2016. But you personally probably had quite a good game four points from play did you did you take positives from that game or were you just like this is a bad performance from everyone well like it's 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 a collective it's a team effort thing like we we we, we underperformed again it was a lashing day in Crow Park and we just didn't turn up <sighs> looking back you're always trying to pinpoint what went wrong and that Dublin team always seemed to have it seemed to have, we could never really get, over that period 2013 to 16, I think we played him a couple of times, our record wasn't great against him at all. And I don't know what happened that year, Ben, but I know there was some serious post-mortems after that game and there was doom and gloom. And going back to training on a Monday or Tuesday after some of those hidings, like, and you're wondering where are we going from here? And in fairness to Liam and the team, and he had to do it a few times. He had to pick us off the ground and, and, and get back going again. And uh, and we turned it around in fairness 2016. That was our first 
stay out in the championship. I think against Dublin, we we, we put a respectable show on it then for the for the rest of the year. But that was a bad day. <laughs> that was a particularly bad day. Yeah, it's funny that year because you ended up beating Cork for the first time in the championship since 1956, and Cork actually beat Dublin. I think a couple of weeks before. It's hard to draw a line sometimes through the form, isn't it? No, I know Ben said that he wouldn't get to more positive questions, but uh, I think 2016 also brings us on to the first ACL. Yeah, was that that year? Yeah, it seems like a while ago now. I've kind of, I feel, yeah, moved on a bit. But 2016, yeah, it was club championship game in Belfield against Maybana. We were out at the Intercounty at that stage, and it was group stages, I think, or maybe it was the quarter. I know it's group stages of the club championship, and... I just ran in after a ball and I, I went through a little bit of a turn, wasn't anything major, and I got this shooting pain up my knee. I didn't know what it was. It was so I, I was quickly on the ground and you know, clutching my knee and I was I knew something was amiss. Um went away then it was fine. Got up and thought of it, you know, they you put the old water on it and you think you're grand, you'll you 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 run it off. And um which is when I went to the next ball, it wasn't no water was going to cure this one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, turned out we done, got the scans and everything. And the cruciate ACL was, I think it was ruptured, yeah, it was fully gone. So, the pitch in Belfield was bad that day. I remember walking out, it was very bare. And I remember our physio, Paul Berry, going, Jesus, lads, this is cruciate territory. I'll never forget, actually, in saying you that. You said that before, before the game. Yeah, it was uh, it was a particularly dry summer. I mean, there was a lot of games on Belfield, but there, the surface wasn't actually good. It wasn't There was very little grass on it. And sometimes it can have a bearing when you, when you turn the grip you have on the sod. Just always remember that comment. So as you'd have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And were um, you upbeat, ready for the the long recovery back? Or what way were you thinking? No, I... I, I, I I kind of thought I'd go. I knew Crouches are about nine to twelve months. I said, I'd be playing. I, I kind of wanted a break at this stage. I, I just felt I, I wanted to travel and get away. For I was going in between jobs. I think and I, I said, look, I think I might take this opportunity to travel or go away or try something different. You know, I, I still do the rehab and stuff, but I, I kind of packed 2017 as, as a year to do anything. So that was my my initial plan. But then when, when I heard Davy was coming in, that quickly changed things. Did I read right that when you heard Davy was coming in, you jumped onto the floor and did tw- uh, 50 push-ups? Yeah. I don't know where that was going, but uh, it was true. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd be... Uh, what the, like, I, I get excited very easily, put it that way, and <laughs> I, I felt it, w- it was a great appointment. And, uh, yeah, I just... In that moment, I says I have to try everything I can to try get back onto this team because if I wait any longer, you wouldn't know I might get a second chance or you wouldn't know what might happen. So I, I, I made up my mind there and then that, yeah, I give it a rattle and try to get back. It was obviously going to be very tight. Anyone that does their cruises around September, October, it's not normally a good time because they have the, the lights of the championship dawning in on them for the following year and it forces timelines. And ideally, it's, it's not ideal because you need to be given a nine months and that was going to push the boundaries a little bit. But, you know, you need a little bit of pressure, but definitely when you're pushing towards tight timelines, it's not ideal. And would Davey have reached out to you early enough? Or would you have 
been getting on to Davey to say, look, I'm in re- rehabilitation, but I'll be back, or what way did it work? We had our first meeting in Gorey, I think, and as a group, we um, we all we met with Davey, and I, I spoke with him two or three minutes after the meeting. Uh, he knew of the situation. He'd done his homework in terms of where everyone was at, and he knew he'd done it. Um, and look, at, he gave me a little bit of hope that I was some way in his plans. You know, I was obviously... I was obviously testing him a little bit. Had he had he ordered me, or, or, or was I worth my while bursting my backside to try to get back in? And was he going to give me a chance if I, if, you know, just to get the feeder out? And he gave me a positive. He gave must have given me a positive response. Anyway, I came away there pretty gung ho in terms of what I had to do. And um, yeah, you told him that you already had fifty push-ups in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that got me really excited. <laughs> But um, yeah, so look at the, the boys train dogs from November, and I was I was living with the O'Keefe at the time, and uh, for the Santry in Dublin, and I obviously wasn't going down for all the training, so I was doing my own rehab, and I'd hear him coming in the door quarter to twelve, and he'd be wrecked after a tough preseason session. He'd be cuddled up, snug in the bed in Santry, going, "Oh, jeez, we don't know about this anymore," <laughs> and. Uh, that went on for three months. I missed that whole preseason, like, and you know, whilst I, I I wasn't envious missing those sessions, it did build a team spirit that you almost didn't feel part of because you didn't do the graft and hard work. You know, I, I was doing my own thing, but wasn't with the group almost. You know. So when did you come back into training with that panel? I would have been in in and out different stages. You know, working on the side of the pitch doing my own. But in terms of in with the group. It was we were doing a training camp in Portugal, 2017, and uh, that was the first time I was thrown into the into the group. Well, I knew we were playing Kilkenny on June the 10th, and we'd beaten them in the in the league, and it was building up nicely. And God, that that was the one you wanted to play. Sure, you could picture it: packed house, Wexford Park, 8th of June, Kilkenny. That's what I was. That's what I was aiming for. Really, it was to do everything I could to try get myself in a position to play that game, and I needed to be doing the the training camp in Portugal to for him to consider me anyway fit to be involved. But that was probably the first real involvement. I'd say. Do you think you tried too hard to come back for a certain time, and that's why you kind of did it again? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say yeah or no, but I'd say it didn't help. Didn't help. Um, I, I've been told by the consultants it was very, very unfortunate and unlucky what happened to me. But looking back, in hindsight, I, I, I was fighting against time, which you probably should never do. And um, I actually got on for the quarterfinal for about five minutes against Leach, and I was like, it was like making my debut again for Wexford. I was so excited. I came on for six minutes. I'd say I covered about three k. I ran. I just ran. I never touched the ball once. <laughs> and. Um, it was two weeks into the Kenny game and I just trained. I remember training a couple of days in a row and the knee swelled up a little bit and, and then it happened the following Saturday. So I probably didn't help myself, Ben, to be honest. Look at who's say it might have went anywhere, but you should listen to your body. That was probably what I took from it. So the second ACL was was a week before that Kilkenny game? It was, yeah. It was a week. It was a... It was a 15 on 15 ding down there in Wexford Park where lads were fighting for, for, for their positions. It was it was it was it was a proper game like and um yeah, about ten minutes in numbers like it was yesterday. 
And what, yeah, what does that do to you mentally then, knowing what you've just gone through and knowing that you're probably going to have to do it again and maybe even worse? Yeah, the first one was grand looking back. I didn't really know. Look, it was, it was shooting into the dark. Um, but the second one was different. There was obviously what I knew what I'd done. I did a prehab that had just gone into it and have to face into that again. I, you know, uh, it was it was a couple of days of de- <laughs> severe disappointment. But uh, look at what else, you know, what else are you going to do? Like, I mean, you just get on with it and you, you knuckle down and you do your rehab. I mean, the, the other option was that I didn't do that and I didn't play again. That option seemed less attractive for me. So I, I, I'd like to think anyone else that was in my position in the squad would have done the same thing. It was just a matter of getting on with it and doing the rehab again and maybe giving them a little bit more patience the next time. Did you go through the same process, like went to the same surgeon, same place, the same physio? Or did you do different? I went to a different surgeon. I went to Ray Moore this time and I just felt I needed to do something different. <laughs> you know, just I couldn't I couldn't face I couldn't face myself. If 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 it were to happen a third time, it'd be hard to look back and say I, I didn't try something different and yeah, it's it's it, I, I I tried one or two different little approaches as well, and and come here the second time, you know, you know your body a hell of a lot better. You know the process, and it was a lot smoother. I felt the rehab, like I knew before, if I wasn't hitting certain targets or I got a little twinge, I was freaking out that I wasn't on target. But the second time, I wasn't rushing. I was letting my body do the talking, and it was just it was more relaxed about it. I wasn't putting any pressure on myself, and when the body came right. Then I'd gradually build it up, and um, thankfully, it, it seems to it seems to work out. Second time, anyway. And you were constantly, while injured, you were constantly doing the odd session here, or not doing a bit of rehab, but with the with the team, the odd time just to stay involved. The second time, I totally removed myself from the squad. I actually didn't want to be involved at all, and I told Davey that I said, "Look, if I." If you could trust me that I'll do the program to the letter of the law, but I don't want to be down. I just feel I've got the following year, you know, you're, you just feel like a spare part when you're on the sideline for nine, ten months training, not part of the group. I got frustrated looking at the guys training, looking at what I wanted to do and not being able to do that. And you end up doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. It's a distraction. It's not helping me get to where I need to. So, I said I'd cut that and I'd just focus on myself and that's what I done the second time. I I didn't get back involved until I was near ready. And you got advice? You rang around looking for advice from other other sports people who had done the same thing? Yeah, I did. Um there's a lot of ups and downs. There's days when you don't want to you don't want to work out, you don't want to do that session to to progress you a little bit and You'll do whatever you have to do to give you the motivation or the uplift that will get you by and do that session. You can't look any further. Right? It's just a matter of doing what you can that day. And you have to use whatever you can to, to, to drive the motivation within you. And I'd often I'd ring, I'd ring lads that had done it before. And it wouldn't be that they'd give me any real technical advice that I didn't already know. It's just to hear someone else and to hear it. Uh, give me a lift and I'd always I'd always feel better having made those phone calls and it forced me to go out and do that session when I do that session I'd be in a better place and 
that's all it was really. And I, I, I look back on an old clip maybe of me playing or scoring a point back in 2014 or 15. If I, if it helped me get by and think of the better days again, and then I, that'd get me by that session. And again, I just used whatever I could to keep myself going. You felt you lost any, any attribute, any, any bit of pace or anything from them? Or did you have to change your game coming back? Yeah, I, I'm, one or two people have said that to me. And I'm always, when you're playing, you, 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 you to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I definitely lost one or two in certain attributes, but there's other attributes I've gained. So when I look at it in an overall picture, I think I've gained overall as off the back of the, of, of the operations because my game has definitely adjusted. Um, I mean, you can consciously train certain things, but unconsciously the brain can sometimes remember certain things and unknowing to you, it protects itself. And that can be quite difficult to untrain. So there are definitely parts of my game that I probably couldn't do as well as what I could before. But on the contrary, there's parts of my game that I felt I've improved a lot and mental, mental strength would be one of those, I think, yeah. Like you're almost, I would say you're almost a completely different hurler. You're, a, you were a scoring corner forward before, and now you're a, a creating half forward, almost a midfielder. Did you just feel that you had to do that to, to make Davies' team fit that style, kind of? Yeah, I, I was. It was kind of wing forward and the forwards corner forward, but um, I got taken off. I remember in the league game, it was wing forward, two thousand eighteen, and. I just wanted to try something different. And uh, fairness, dad texted me one day coming on. Dad wouldn't interfere with anything in terms of me, my career with Wexford, or recommended I should do that and this. But he texted me randomly. He said, Would you ever consider trying a different position? I went mad when he sent this message because I was like, Jesus, not as if I can just tell him that I can go here. You might think that's best for me, but maybe that's not best for Wexford. But the more I thought about it, I, I thought, you know, maybe I could try something different, you know, in the corner or wing forward on my life, getting marked tightly, you know, it just freed me up a little bit to go out and, and try something different. And I remember I had a chat with Davey and he had something similar in mind a couple of months ago and there was a practice game before one of the league games and I asked if I could try out there in midfield maybe for, for, for a half and he let me do it and it worked out well and um, I stayed there for the rest of the year midfield and all the games. So it was... It was it, it worked well, and fairness to dad, that's one thing I can thank him for. <laughs> when you did finally make the, you finally got back in, say against Offaly in twenty eighteen. What was that like? I was a nervous wreck, being honest. Um, I really didn't know whether I wanted to play after rushing the first one. I was I was nervous. I remember I. I uh, I rang Dara Ryan. I think Dara had done it two or three times. And Dara said, I knew what Dara was going to tell me, but I just wanted to hear it from him. He said, go on, Jez, no, be long enough sitting in the stand and go ahead. And so I went, I put on the subs that day and David said, if it goes well, it'll bring you on for 10 minutes or whatever at the end. And talk about getting your glutes firing. I was literally in the dressing room two minutes before coming on with doing the band exercise to make sure my glutes were firing and I was going to be as safe as possible going onto that field. And 
I came on, I probably turned like the 46 Dublin bus now in the few balls I got, but um, it was great. It was great to get back on and uh, great to be back involved. But to answer your question, yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous right getting back onto the field. And is it is it just because it, it was championship and the pace? I mean, I assume in the training match, I assume you probably had practice matches and even the 15 on 15 training matches where you're going full pelt. Was it just that? It's always a different kettle of fish when it's when it's championship. Yeah, and, and when you're in championship, there isn't that many games because it's generally only league and championship games. And if you're not playing, there's not that many opportunities. Okay, there might be odd practice game, but it's not as if you're playing practice games every day in training. And like when you're doing the rehab, it's all control stuff. I mean, you're always running in straight lines. Everything is very artificial. But when you get thrown into the field, into a match... It's just there's so many elements out of your control that scares you a little bit. You know, people come and hit you from all angles, the ball has fallen, and when you've not the dodgy knee underneath you, um, yeah, it can just be a little bit daunting. First, when you get back onto the field, like anyone coming back after knee injuries, it takes them a long time to get the confidence back into the knee, and you can get away with it at maybe junior level, but when you get up to club level or even under county, if you're turning like that and you're thinking about your knee. Forget about it. They're just too slow, like, and um, that, that, that's a difficult transition. And can you remember the point then when you realised that you were going out and you weren't even thinking about your knee anymore? It takes a bit of time, yeah. It probably takes takes six months, probably. You know, it takes a couple of belts. It takes a couple of sharp turns, and. Uh, Every game, you just get a 1% more confident and it just gets better and better and better. And towards the end of the year, I got another rehab into the knee and then I, I gradually started to forget about it. Never thought a bit wearing a big knee brace like <laughs> Steve Austin or anything? No, I didn't. It wouldn't be the sexiest things of all time, but it wouldn't bother me. If I thought they were, if I thought they were effective, um, I would, but they're actually... I felt it on the opposite to me. I, I wore a, I, I wore a bandage, um, light bit of tape on it, just. But really, it, it reminded me that I had a bad knee, so I just I got rid of that quickly. Yeah. I hurled for the first time in a few years last year, just junior B, and my knee. I, I did my knee as well, like, and I just got a, just got the physio at the time to. I was very nervous on it. Just got the physio at the time to bandage it up, and. I looked like like I was a mummy on my, on my knee, like crazy <laughs> amount of stuff on. But it just gave me that psychological thing, I think. I don't think it actually helped physically, but it gave me psychological effect thinking that I was thinking that that was protecting me, I suppose. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, it can work both ways. I, yeah. I actually, you know, the big knee braces. Beyond the bandage, sometimes if you do your crucial, they put you put you in a knee brace, so you you can't really move, you can't twist from left to right. It's it's very restrictive. I actually, I wore one of those when I done my crucial the first time. It could actually run. I could run like three two weeks after doing it. I could run in straight lines, and we were in a relegation final against the Harriers, and it was bad. Like we were going potentially going on the intermediate. I said, oh, I obviously couldn't play, but. Uh, I was on this knee brace and um, I ended up coming on for 10 minutes with the knee brace on. Um, probably the one up there with the most stupid things I've ever done. Um, three three weeks after doing it? 
three weeks after doing it, yeah, the swelling, I got down and um, I hadn't got the surgery at this stage. And I had organised the surgery for a week after the relegation final. And uh, the match was on. I couldn't help but put the gear bag in the car just in case. I don't know why. I know, I know, I know. And uh, sure, look at we were two points down with 10 minutes to go on the sideline. And sure, look at the emotion and adrenaline just gets the better of you. And I ended up coming on. I had the, the knee brace on, but I had another pair of underskins over it, so you couldn't really see it. But it looked ridiculous. And, I done nothing really it was pointless but the damage I could have done there could have been brain dead really and to this day I kind of I got away with it but it was probably wasn't the wisest thing Surprised the manager allowed you to come on that was crazy stuff Yeah but look at sure you convince when you want to play you'd say look you tell him anything you know it was my decision and I take responsibility for that <laughs> McGregor done it as well I think he was back after yeah. five months but uh you hear strain, but fairness, Bernard Brogan, he got back out. Well, I know he didn't play much, but his his recovery was pretty miraculous as well. Six months, I think. Anyway, look, it's not what it used to be. I, I think I think my dad done it about 30 years ago and basically took his whole kneecap out. The, 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 the scar from his from his from his ankle to his, his hip, I'd say. And it's it's a botch job. It's 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 come on a fair way since then, so um, look, if anything happens to anyone, it's it's a bit of a bummer for six nine months, but you, you get back. Right? If you do the right, do the right work, you get back. Yeah. Are any members of the McGovern family who haven't had a ACL surgery? <laughs> man, the, the man, she 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 probably wouldn't. She be she uh, a bit lower to the ground. She'd be a bit tougher, maybe. But no, dad and my brother done it. Yeah, so don't know. If, Probably genetics. Well, it have to be if if the three of us done it. You would think there's a genetic play there. We'll move on to uh, 2019. The more positive stuff. Positivity, yeah, it's needed Positivity. in these times, isn't it? So you you talked about four in a row Leinster finals losing that you lost, then the football as well, and then the Leinster final to Galway. So, what sort of relief? What what way were you going into the 2019? Leinster final against Kilkenny. Um, personally, or as as a team, I suppose both. Like, I suppose another thing that you've touched on is getting getting over a team once makes you have the mentality that you can get over them again. And Wexford had beaten Kilkenny, so was was that a big play in the build up to the game against Kilkenny? Yeah, we played Kilkenny and Wexford Park final round of the. Group stage, just remember the draw, I think, in Mexico Park. And uh, we were we were lucky to get a draw in many respects, but we were quite disappointed with how we played. And uh, we felt that we felt we could we we didn't do ourselves justice in a couple of a couple of things we done, and we felt that if we approached the game a little bit differently, we, we could learn a lot from the game. So we were we were excited about getting a second chance. We felt a little bit lucky that we got a draw and we got through to the Leinster final. I mean, it could have been anyone that got through to the Leinster final. I think there were four teams on the same point. So we we were blessed in many respects to get into a Leinster final. And um, yeah, we were excited that with a few tweaks, we could we could deliver a better performance. And that you did. What was it? Just the, mo- the moment the whistle goes and especially because Kilkenny had the ball in the goal mount near the very end of that game 
I think it was kicked by Fenley just past the post. What, what sort of relief was there? And as you were saying, you thought to yourself, how can Kilkenny win all these and all these Leinster titles? Why can't I get one? When you got that one, what was the immediate emotion? It's, it's, it's an emotion that's hard to describe. And a lot of players get asked this question after big triumphs. Hard putting the words on it. It's just, if you could bottle the feeling, um, I remember Paul Burry saying about his father, Jack Burry, won Northern in 1968. He said, it's the 10 seconds. It's just those 10 seconds that whistle blows. The euphoria, the just the, the sheer elation of the last maybe 10 years of getting hidings, of getting beaten in Leicester finals, of going trainings and pre-seasons, of getting injuries, everything in that 10 seconds, you feel like you've been justified and you've got something to show for it. And you just want to celebrate. You want to be with your friends. You want to embrace your, you know, the lads you've been, you've, 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 you've soldiered with, I, I suppose, for the last couple of years. And, it's a it's it's a it's a magic feeling, and I can see why a lot of people chase it. Um, I I I only haven't got the experience too often, but I'd I'd certainly like to taste it again. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the two thousand and nine intermediate final, and I remember at the time thinking that like how amazing it was that that feeling that you just as described, but. I was very young at the time and I was probably thinking that it was going to come again yeah. a, a few times and there's, there's been nothing since and that time is taken on now and I'm chasing that feeling again and it's, it's kind of hard not knowing if you're ever going to get it again and did you appreciate it enough at the time I suppose for you being a bit older for in 2019 for the Leinster final you probably did appreciate it uh, after all you had been through I did, Gary. Yeah, I did. I can say I can safely say I did, and I'm glad I was. I just said I, I was 28 or not 17 or 18, maybe. Um, those two games, Kilkenny and Tipperary, they were they were they were unbelievable games to be part of, and even the parade before the game, I, I personally I really allowed myself to enjoy it and to soak it up, and um, just I. I for any player that's lucky enough to experience it, um, it's, it's it's a great memory to have, and I, I want to I want to experience it again. Obviously, with all that's going on, it crowds are away, and maybe might be this year. But um, I definitely yeah, I definitely allowed myself to to, to enjoy those two two outings in Co Park under nearly full capacity. Is there is there a better story in the GA? And we throw it all together. Say six Leinster final losses, two hip operations, two knee operations. He has to reinvent himself in a different position, and he comes back and fi- finally wins. Are you going to write a book? No, no, I, I, I don't. I, I can dramatize it there. I don't really. If I won in All Ireland, maybe I don't know Leinster titles. We still have unfinished business there. We we want to get back, and we we, we want to. We want to have a go. When you're playing, you can't be reflective anyway. Maybe when you're when you're finished, you can look back. But when you're playing, you, there's no room for sentiments. You just gotta you gotta win the next game and try to be as successful as you can. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't dwell too much on it really. To an extent, I'd say it's nearly a different game from when you started. 
The game has changed a good bit um, last couple of years. There's a lot of things happening on the field now. It's, it's gone. It's gone very tactical. I, I felt any since I started out in 2012 to where we're at now. It's, it's the game has moved. It'll be interesting to see how it develops over the coming years as well. And do you enjoy all that part of it, especially if you're considering coaching yourself? Yeah, there's parts of it. Sometimes it can. Um, as a forward, it's a hell of a lot harder to score. Um, I mean, <laughs> the honour today is we are one-on-one inside, you know, with, with sweepers and cynical play. Or we're not allowed to say that, are we? But, yeah, definitely crept in. It's uh, The one-on-one days are gone a little bit. And I, I think that has taken a little bit of the... I don't know. You, you go to see some of those goals, like one-on-one. And, you know, I, I don't know. You probably have the stats there in terms of how many goals are scored. It, it can become, there's elements of the tactical that are good, but some parts of it maybe um, have, have, have a negative impact on how the game um, transpires. Well, definitely on the viewing, I mean, there's nothing better than goals in Ireland. Mm. <laughs> and even just goal chances and stuff, and there's no doubt there's less of them. But other parts of the game are, I mean, the tactical part of the game is excellent as well. And watching Wexford over maybe not last year, but in 2019, and I suppose the league of last year, just some of the intricate play and their movement and all that, I thought it was fantastic to watch. It's funny, like we, obviously, it can be frustrating if, if it doesn't come off and we put a lot of work into it and, you know, there would have been a lot of negative commentary around how we played maybe in earlier parts, but when it comes off, like, and it did come off in certain parts of 2019, it was... It, Parts of it were unstoppable. Like there was the, the movement we had, and the, you know, opposition were struggling to deal with some of our some of our moves, and you know, some of the the naysayers changed their views very quickly in terms of you know, Samba Harlan had gone from being nearly puke Harlan to Samba Harlan overnight. But really, you can't get too sucked into that. We knew what we were trying to do and working towards, and that outside commentary can can more distraction than anything else and it's just focusing on, on what we're trying to achieve so it, it amazes me how fickle outside views can be sometimes absolutely <laughs> even just that mention on Michael Dignan there was one time he had come around to the way Wexford were playing uh, I was in one of the matches last year but then when things weren't working I think it was the Galway game and things weren't working out uh, then later on in the game, and he completely changed his mind back to the, his original law. You, you can't win games like this. <laughs> At the start of the game, it was like, oh, the way Wexford play, it's, it's great, it's so inventive. And then 20 minutes later, it was, no, no, you can't win games like this. I actually um, get that. You're working in Dublin? I was. I was working in Dublin until lockdown struck, and I'm back home now. But I've been in Dublin, yeah, for probably the last 10 years, maybe. Uh, how do you find managing the work life with the with the GA life, the hurling life? In Dublin, when I was living in Dublin, when you were living in Dublin and having to travel down for training, and just the amount, of, the time consuming nature of a GA player these days, when you're also trying to focus on a career as well outside of it, you're kind of in a bubble almost, and you you just get in a routine and you, you actually don't have time to think about it. And if you did think about it, you'd probably question <laughs> a lot of the, the travel you do. 
And it's only when you stop and now that the pandemic is over and they're living back down in Wexford. It's kind of hard to imagine going back and doing that, you know, um, just the travel and the hours. It, 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 is, it does make it, a, a, you know, it does make it a, a challenge for sure. I suppose it's good that there, there was a few of us up there and it did make it a lot easier being able to share that, share the journeys or, you know, you have a bit of crack with the lads going up and down. But, yeah, I, I, I don't miss it now, being honest. I don't miss the travelling up and down and getting out of work, forcing out of work at five o'clock and cleaning the pre-season in the winter, getting down in the dark and getting back up late. But, um, yeah, look, at it, it's, it's part of it, isn't it? Um, there was no getting way around. I mean, some of the inter-county players in Mayo and stuff, I, I, I don't know. They put in serious miles. I do remember a, a video of yourself, Dee and Shane travelling down, singing songs. I actually thought you, I thought you might start a channel at that stage, but I only saw one or two videos. Did you just give up on it or did you just stop recording yourselves? Ah, sure. Look, you'd be, you'd be doing everything to amuse yourself. You know, on the way back up, you'd be everything would be discussed. There wouldn't be a topic that would be left out and uh, <laughs> so you'd get notions from Snapchat or was it probably back in the day. But uh, yeah, no, that idea probably quickly. <laughs> the one-off idea, but no, it didn't, didn't really come to anything. Did you do have a, a musical side to you too? Like like your brother, Keen, did you, you co-wrote a song, uh, The Gold Cup, is it called? By Don Cossack? The Gold Cup, the Don Cossack. I not really. I I I keep McKean to be a lot better in the corner by the band, but I enjoy enjoy a bit of sing song, a bit of cracking. Be big into horse racing as well. And um, when Brian Cooper won the Gold Cup on Don Cossack in 2016, we were sitting around at home and we said we put a few few bars together, and it is it took off, and uh, yeah, it got a lot further than we we thought it would. But uh, yeah, a bit of crack sure. <laughs> And I remember seeing something else, yourself and Kevin Morn. What what was that? For for the listeners, it was the two years, it was a 30 second ad for three sisters or something in Waterford. And he was playing the cello or something. And you were singing to it, to him playing. What what was that? Jeez, you've done your research there, Gary. Um, I don't know where you dug that one out of, but it was, it was the three sisters and there was a campaign for the Southeast to be, easy you me off guard, it was a campaign for, for Southeast to win some cultural award. Do you know the way like Limerick won the cultural of Europe? Or some yeah, yeah. more, I think, and were putting in a bid and they wanted to put in a, a GAA element to it. And Kevin was mod for He was around. That's, that's it. I can't remember what yeah. Was it just the ad that you did, or did you do a performance somewhere? No, just the ad. Just the ad. Because I looked for the performance, but I couldn't find anything. <laughs> no, just the ad. It was probably uh, misleading a small bit. <laughs> do, do you remember it? Do you remember what you, you la la to? Yeah, we had to go on stage in a tuxedo, and it was in the, in the opera house. And I had to mime. Oh, you were miming? I, was mime. I wasn't even singing. I wasn't even singing. Well, maybe I should have said that and let on. I was singing. I wasn't even singing. I was miming. It was very strange. I, did, I just like, what have I signed up for here? I actually totally forgot about that. You didn't you did tell Kevin that you carried him at the end anyway, so that was the main thing. <laughs> I don't know if you like that one. <laughs>
is it true that you went on holidays for three weeks in the middle of a season with one year with Wexford? Uh, I don't think I didn't think it was three weeks now, Gary. I thought it was more about two and a half. <laughs> is it is it true that you went on holidays for two and a half weeks <laughs> in the middle of a season one year? It, it is, yeah, it is. I, I, uh, it was 2015, the bad year, and uh, after the league, the final game of the league, we played Cork. I got substituted, I think, at half time. God, I was my performance were getting worse <laughs> game after game, and I was wondering where I was going with with the year. I, I couldn't hit any form. I was I was down about it, and I, I there was a break for a couple of days after the league, um, before you kind of get into the championship preparation. And I remember the Monday after the league game, I rang Liam and I said, Liam, look at I'm not going well at the minute. Um, might might take a bit of a break. Um, I just go away for a few days there and uh, freshen the head. And uh, I didn't tell him where. Oh, I didn't tell him how long I was going for and he never asked me so I, I thought I got off the hook with it and my sister was in Australia at the time and she was she was going on a trip around Asia and I, and, and, uh, I said feck it I'll, I'll join her for, for a period of time so I booked the flights and went off the next day and I met her I met in Singapore for a few days and went to Hong Kong and went to a few places but after seven or eight days the phone started hopping on you. Where was I? And Liam tried to contact me a few times. And uh, I, the longer I was over there, I kind of thought this is not a good move. And uh, obviously the flights were booked. I wasn't going to pay extra to get my flights back home early. So I flew back in on the Thursday, two and a half weeks. And Liam texted me the day before saying they were playing a 15 on 15 game extra park. Was I around for it? And I said, yes. I'll be back for that one, but I thought like, I I I I thought I could be gone. I thought like even though there was a break between league and championship, I thought I could be uh, under a bit of pressure here now. Um, anyway, I didn't say nothing. Went straight in and was in full forward, marking Mossy Waters, and Mossy was just back from an injury, so he wasn't moving as well as he had the previous year. And I actually got on all right in the game. I, I breathed a sigh of relief. I said, "Grand, I'm I'm all right here. I think I think I've." I think I've dodged the bullet. And walked back, walk back in and Matthew gave me the cold shoulder anyway, walking into the dressing room. He said, oh, I don't know. Um, and Liam came in. He said, we're holding a meeting in Ferry Carrick at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And we're going to review the league and we're going to uh, review one or two other things. So I said, oh, here we go. I'll get my story right for this one. And uh, Saturday came around and been at home with mom and dad. And dad came in to me Saturday morning. He said, do you not have a meeting on today? And he says, oh, no. It was quarter to nine. And oh, it was the one meeting I did not want to be late for because it was it was probably my disciplinary thing was coming up. So I best quickly as I could, drove the Jeep in as hard as I could. I thought of every excuse in the world why I could not attend, or I was thinking of everything. And yeah, I said, I can be all right. So I walked in, and uh, Liam Griffin was giving a presentation. He was helping out at the time. And he just went through me for a shortcut. And I said, I'll explain later. Carry on. Sat in the corner like the bowl child in the class, and we'd done the review of the league. And then we had um, 
had the review afterwards and it's your first item on the agenda, Limo McGovern. Who do you think you are going away for two and a half weeks? If, 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 if we could all do that, sure, you know, that's one way, that's no way to carry on, like type of thing. And anyhow, went through me for a shortcut. And uh, luckily, I got a second chance um, and uh, I could have easily got the bullet back then, but I didn't. And uh, got by and uh, Looking back, it was probably uh, wasn't the best in terms of communication or or uh, how to handle myself. <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine that you'd probably you'd probably build up enough trust, not trust, but you'd, you'd you'd enough in the bank to get you away with it. Just about, just about. Like I I I felt I needed a break. I needed to get away, but I just didn't communicate it and. Uh, didn't look good. The optics didn't look good, and look, gratefully got a second chance. Uh, probably handle things a little bit better. When you're younger, I suppose you don't have the confidence to say exactly what you're feeling, what you want to do, and and you probably end up taking a shortcut. Or, or yeah, worked out alright in the end. Why do you think we didn't perform in 2020 championship wise? Anyway, as I said at the start, it's very difficult. To put one thing on why a team doesn't perform or doesn't win, and I'm not avoiding your question. It just sometimes it's not as straightforward as just saying X or Y. Like 2019 was obviously a good year, and we we were firmly, you know, working hard, and we did work hard over 2020 to build on what we did in 2019, and we were we were confident the way we were going, but. I don't want to make excuses. I don't like making excuses. We were we were beaten, well and truly beaten. I mean, that game against Galway was uh, was probably one of the worst defeats playing for Wexford. It was humiliating, beaten on every part of the field. I know we were competitive in the first twenty five minutes. The longer the game went on, the, the worse it was looking. Um, I suppose to answer your question, Ben, maybe we were a little bit flat. I'm hoping that was the case. We were preparing for a league quarter final against Galway in March, and with COVID struck, a lot of uncertainty around when the championship was going to take place, and the goal co- the goalposts kept changing from May to June to July, August, September, October, November, and look at it didn't stop Limerick, and I'm not making excuses, but we 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 probably trained quite hard over the summer period and if, if the championship was, was on in June, July, I, I would have liked to think we put, would have put in a, a bit better performance and maybe we're a little bit over the top from the end of the year. Um, I don't know if that would be my honest assessment of it and, and not really putting blame on anyone. Um, as I said, the goalpost kept changing and it was a very difficult championship to prepare for. Maybe, maybe we didn't get our timing spot on. But time will tell. We'll see how we get on this year or whether that assessment was right or wrong. Do you think um, from assessing it as a panel, as a team, that um, things are in place like to, to right the wrongs for 2021? I think so. I mean, we haven't been together. <laughs> we haven't been together since. I mean, it was strange with the COVID yet. When the games are over, you went home. Like when we, we lost the Clare, that was it. You went home on your own, and there was no post mortems. We haven't been together since. Um, 
and it's it's been it been a challenge to review last year um, and move forward. But I, I haven't spoken to the lads; they're in good spirits there, and uh, we're we're hoping that um, last year was a blip, and uh, we can we can take off from where we, we left off in 2019. But you can't look behind 2019; it's firmly gone. We're in 2021, and we have to look forward and get ourselves back going again. And um, there's still a bit of uncertainty around. You know where we're aiming for this year, but um, I'd like to think we've learned one or two things from how we approach when how we're approaching this year. That's all you can do. Very glad I asked no. that question. Now we got a good answer. I didn't follow it me either. <laughs> well, I, 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 I think I was honest there in terms of that's realistically what I thought. And um, but it's, it's, I mean, Limerick went on to, as I said, didn't bother them, did it? They went from strength to strength and. They were all with the punches and look, Limerick look, look very hot last year and look very strong. And uh, as I said, time will soon tell we got it off or, or that's where we're really at. I'd like to think we're a bit better than that. Who's the best player you've ever played with? Best player I've ever played with. And I, I'm going to extend that to hurling and football. I'm going to say Redmond Barry, my own club mate. I suppose from the age of... 17, 16 or 17 when I first went into the senior team with, with St. Anne's Red would have been part of that and I would have played with him in the forwards and someone I would have looked up to and idolised a lot growing up um, a tremendous player you know tough, hardy, skillful showed great leadership a tremendous vision like playing with him he could see things that other players couldn't see and he'd bring you into the game and he was able to execute a pass like not so much in Hurling because he, he or he, not so much in Hurling the last couple of years because he, he probably had was concentrating more on the football. But you know, football or even in Hurling, he could he could deliver a pass that could just knife through a defence. And uh, he was I, I enjoyed playing with him. I still enjoy playing with him. I think he's 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 gone. He's approaching the the one he won't like me saying it, the forty <laughs> marker. But um, I'd have to give Red Barry the nod on that one. Does he still have the the bleach blonde hair? <laughs> no, they're replaced with grey ones now. <laughs> I have to say, I was always a big fan of watching Red play. I always remember when he was in around the Harlem panel too. I was wanting him to stay in there. I was wanting him to. I was wanting to wanting to see him playing hurling with Wexford a lot more. And I actually did get the privilege of hurling with him with the Wexford intermediates that year in 2015 as well. Uh, who is the toughest player you had to mark? As I said, I don't like giving um, the little the edge to a few of the current players, so I'll, I'll hold off on that one. Um, I'll pick a few players that have hung up the boots, maybe. You know, a lot of a lot of guys around Wexford that have, you know, <laughs> very tough. I, I'll never forget one of my first days out for St. Anne's against Duffy Rovers, Matthew Flynn O'Connor, corner guy. He gave me hell. From minute one to minute sixty, <laughs> and he used every bit of experience he could. The legs might have been working like they did ten years before that, but <laughs> my God, he, he don't. He used every trick in the book. Um, I'll never forget that. Um, but I spoke to Matty a good few times outside of that. He's a, he's a good lad. Um, I suppose in the inter-county scene, I'm Seamus Hickey be up there. Um, Noel Connors, I would have had plenty of jewels with him as well over the years. And maybe two good lads that I guess, way back. What type of hurl do you use? 
Jesus, hurls, I, I tend to get around when it comes to hurls. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I I, I started out with Albert because um, Ryan had Albert Randall and Darren Ryan was God and I had to use <laughs> whatever Dara used. Um, I, I had to use him. In fairness, Albert's hurls are savage, probably the best for the timber you can get in Wexford. Um, but I, I've used them all. I've used Philip Doyle, I've used Brian Walsh, I've used Decky Barn. I probably use uh, Decky Barn and Philip Doyle at the minute. Uh, I, I, I like to change it up. And you'd never, would, would you always be getting the same style? Like if you I'd be tweaking. To... I, I, it's work in progress. I'm coming to the end <laughs> now, but it's still work in progress. I suppose uh, you shouldn't blame your tools, and maybe it's uh, more a reflection of me than the, than the hurdles I'm using. Overthinking again. <laughs> Possibly. Just reminded of uh, Padraig Harrington after he won three majors and he was still trying to tweak his, his swing. <laughs> and I was thinking, I think you have it. <laughs> I think whatever you're doing, keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harrington's a bit of a character, yeah. If you could pick one player to go to war with, who would it be? Uh, I think it's been mentioned a few times on these shows, but I'd, I'd, there's a small little man down in St. James's there. I'd say he'd, uh, <laughs> I'd have to give him the nod on that. Yeah, Matthew Hanlon, I, I played with him a good few times over the years and um, there's, there's, there's no end to the map. And uh, he's a man you want on, on your side when you're going to war. He just doesn't back down and he does a lot of the thankless jobs that maybe don't get seen and don't get the recognition they deserve. But um, even outside of, of Harlan, like he's, he, he's, he's, he wants to win everything. He's, he's a true competitor and yeah, he's, he'd be up there. Yeah, he has been mentioned a few times. Maybe not as a small little man. <laughs> That's no harm to keep him in check there. The odd thing. <laughs> what is the best inter-county goal you've ever seen? Team Joe Canning's goal there the other day popped up on social media. The goal he got against Kenny. Remember he pirouetted it on the square? Class. Absolutely yeah. class. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. Probably looks easier than it actually is. Like he's a big man running forward. To be able to do that is I don't I didn't think it looked easy. He made he made it look seamless, but he, oh Jesus, just yeah. the all the one movement. Mm. Gathering the ball and the strike. Jackie Tyrrell, I think, was breathing down on him. Wouldn't be the nicest dealer. Yeah. Finish on a high note. Hopefully. What's your favourite or most memorable moment from your career? Ah, sure. Look, it's a no-brainer. I, I mean, I'd like to be able to come up with an original one on the spot here, but um, the the Leinster final is hard to replace. Those two games in 2019, and I don't like looking back because we have to create new memories and. Um, you know, 2021, we've we need to get back and you know put in stronger showing. But 2019, those two games, the Leinster final, that um, I want that feeling again. The 10 seconds after the whistle blew goes very quick. Thanks very much for joining us. No yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for many. Matthew Hannan trying to buy himself a bit of space. A point for Matthew Hannan. Thanks to everyone for listening. 
Hope you enjoyed. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it as he's actually being questioned by the guards right now as he's been accused of impersonating an elderly woman in order to get his vaccine quicker. So they're actually talking to him right now, so couldn't make it. Did he get away with it? Did he, uh, did, did he get the vaccine? Well, it's an accusation at the minute, so we can't, can't say anymore, really. Don't forget, Wexford play Leash on Sunday. The game is live on TG4, 1.45. You'll be watching, Gary? I will indeed, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing a bit of live hurling. Yeah, same. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Like, subscribe to the podcast if you can. And thanks very much to our sponsor, the Enscardi Credit Union. Take care. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford!